Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. Today's guest is Shei Akiwowo, the founder and executive director of Glitch, a not-for-profit organisation determined to end online abuse. Through her lived experience and expertise, Shei travels the globe developing practical solutions with governments, NGOs and companies to protect our online public spaces from hate and abuse. In 2018, she was named Stylist Magazine's Woman of the Week. She is also Amnesty International's Human Rights Defender and is part of the hashtag Toxic Twitter campaign to end online abuse against women. Shay was elected as the youngest black female councillor in East London at age 23 and has had nine successful years working in politics and the charity and policy sectors, both in the UK and Europe. She is such an impressive person and her bio is probably about 10 times as long as the one I've just read. But definitely go and read her full profile on Glitch's website at fixtheglitch.org and read all about what they're up to. It really is such an amazing organisation. In this episode, we talk about online abuse, gender-based abuse, social media behaviour and lockdown, how to be a good ally, actions we can take, and all the amazing work that Shay and Glitch are doing to stop harmful online behaviour becoming so much more widespread. I mean, it already is, but it feels like this is a really urgent and important conversation that we should all be having because the internet is becoming an increasingly scary place in many ways. So please follow Glitch, follow them on Twitter, follow their website, donate if you can. They're doing really excellent work. And thank you to Shay for coming on and giving me some of your time to talk about this issue. So without further ado, here is the conversation with me and Shay. So welcome, Shayi. This has been a long time in the works. I mean, I've been wanting to interview you for ages and we're finally here. So I'm so happy. Oh, it's so amazing watching what you've been up to and just watching everything grow. And well, I just wanted to start off really by saying congratulations. I've seen all the amazing work you've done with the partnership with Twitter as well. So it's a great time for Glitch, isn't it? Thanks. Yeah. Glitch started off as a one woman band, an oops baby, an accident three over three years ago. And it's um, really rewarding and emotional to see milestones and fruition now and have a team and be able to take leave and know Glitch is not going to be quiet because I'm not there responding to tweets. There's a team there. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, the the partnership with Twitter and, and around Black Lives Matter online and mental health and and digital self-care is is really important to us and um and really look forward to kind of working with them on building on that. Yeah, because I was thinking about you a lot actually during lockdown and thinking about Glitch and obviously back when we met online safety, digital safety, talking about online abuse, you know, it's always been relevant, but I kind of felt like it feels like the amount of abuse has gone up during lockdown. When we saw COVID happening on the lockdown measures, the same thought that you had, Emma, like, oh my gosh, we're gonna you're gonna be in lockdown, we're gonna be using the internet more. It means there's gonna be more risk to trolling and abuse. It means people are gonna be taking out their kind of anxieties and frustrations on the internet. It also means that misinformation and fake news 
is going to be rife and those that are you know already feeling so disenfranchised and, and powerless are going to be more susceptible to to being groomed online and I just felt like no one was saying anything we prepared internally we, sh- we we did all the right things you know stopping any offline workshops and all of that stuff I was meant to go to New York for a big international event I you know had to cancel that like so we did all the right things but we said we have to do more than our response needs to be more than just the internal we have an external position here and I talked to the board about it and they gave me their complete um support and I'm so grateful to have the board that I do that understands me as a black woman and 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 trusts me and my instincts and so we changed our budget allocation and provided four free um workshops on online security safety and training and they were oversubscribed we had something like over 350 people um sign up in in the space of two weeks but when we try and get funding Emma it's really hard so in some ways yeah the demand for glitch has increased but meeting that demand isn't quite there yet and we had a grand swell of people donate money themselves which was so lovely to to see and it allowed us to provide free training and um, support and resources for anyone who was speaking on Black Lives Matter and worried about a backlash, anyone who wanted to speak on COVID-19 or worried about a backlash. And it allowed us to kind of just do our core work, which, you know, unrestricted funding for a small organisation is like gold. But it's been really hard to try and convince philanthropists to, to, to donate in this area. And if we have a spike again, or we have any other form of pandemic, or we have any form of um, remote working or lockdown, anything like that, we have to understand how tech abuse will increase and how that disproportionately affects women and people of colour. Absolutely. And I think one thing that has exactly proven completely right, and a big I told you so, is you know, everything that you've always said in the past about how the internet is not this like separate entity. It's not a video game that we dip in and out of. It's life and it's real life. And it's literally just completely real and part of our lives every day. And it's the real world. And I don't think there's a bigger example of that than being in lockdown where you're inside and you're on your phone. And that is our daily lives. I mean, I love, you know, the analogies that you talk about when it comes to self-defense, especially you just mentioned that women and black women specifically are more endangered and more likely to be abused online and offline. And could you talk a little bit about that, about how we should treat it like we would do walking down a street? Yeah, I I try a lot with um, analogies because I think storytelling and it's something that's powerful for so many communities, religion, faith and getting a message across. So I try very hard when it comes to online abuse and 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 the right vocabulary we should be using when we're talking about this, I try to to use analogies to to convey that. I wish I was a good drawer or a better drawer because then I think that would help me to really convey it. But I think if we're going to tackle online abuse, we're going to make our internet a safer space and online communities a safer space. It starts with our language. So, like you said, like let's stop referring to the online space as a virtual world or the offline space as the real world, because there are real consequences for being online. There are real consequences for not being allowed to be off um, to be offline and and go out and and leave your house for more than an hour. And I think being able to move away from in real life virtual allows us to 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 see the online space as a continuum of our offline public spaces. So seeing very much where we had the pubs and community centres and 
places to meet. You know, people love, I'm um, from Stratford, Newham, so shout out to anyone from, from Newham who's listening. You know, people love to congregate and meet in Westfield and like in the canteen and area and stuff like that. That's Twitter. That's Facebook. That's Instagram. Like how, when we go, oh, let's check Instagram. We're not checking a, a kind of boring static app. We're waiting to interact with people and news and learn things and and potentially be shocked by another dumb thing someone has said or who's going to be cancelled now for saying something completely inappropriate like we go there to meet and we go there to be heard and we go there to listen and to learn to spread our opinions to support people to get our message out there that is a description of the offline space that our public space and that's why when we start seeing it like that then we realize we as a, as digital citizens have a responsibility to keep it safe to keep it from being hijacked and weaponized by far right movements and incel movements and hate groups and toxicity and violence and harassment. We have a duty to and a responsibility to do that as with as digital citizens, as with every right, with every right, right to school, right to vote, we have a responsibility. So about fleshing as digital citizens, what is our responsibility? But that again doesn't negate tech companies and governments they have a huge responsibility too but I think there's things there about learning how to be an active bystander online or online ally how to be there when someone's facing abuse things again like not promoting graphic or triggering content if you have to using trigger label trigger warnings and labels like those things are about our responsibility about the behaviors we want to champion and see more of and using that to overshadow the behaviors that we don't want to see and I often say to people who are like, oh, just ignore the abuse, just block it and um, mute it. I say you're, 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 you're repeating victim-blaming language. Victim-blaming mm. language that we said was completely wrong when it came to offline violence, domestic violence, and it came to street harassment. It's the same rhetoric that we're seeing in our online spaces, which is really sad because it's like, come on, people, let's get out of this loop. <laughs> let's get mm. out of the matrix. <laughs> I never watched The Matrix, but let's get out of this kind of like repetitive syndrome and let's understand very quickly because we don't have time to waste. We can't afford to have another Caroline, Flack, another Molly, another trans woman, another black trans woman be murdered or targeted or harassed um, or feel like they have to take their life because the online space has made them so vulnerable or, or have made them such a target. And I say to often say to people, if I were walking down Oxford Circus, pre-lockdown, obviously, and, um, you know, I was at the corner of Primark and McDonald's, if you know it, um, the kind of top Tottenham Court Road end, and I was being catcalled, you wouldn't tell me, oh, leave Oxford Circus and don't come back to central London. You would want to make... I would hope you'd want to make that space safer. We have that with councils who invest in lighting, who invest in making the roads work. We see that with CCTV cameras. We've seen that with about with making our tubes and transport better and safer when it comes to harassment, particularly of women on these space in, in these spaces. Well, if we wouldn't say that often, why do we think we can tell a woman, oh, just come off, just come off the internet, just come off the public space, just come off where decisions and votes and and policies are, are, are increasingly being made. Come away from where public discussion <laughs> is being had. Come away from your opportunity to make money and generate income from sharing your opinions and your articles and being a blogger or a vlogger. That's what we're telling people. And I think I think people mean well. I don't think people intentionally mean to victim blame, but they are, irrespective of your intentions. And I think that's why language is really important. So we don't minimize and um, reduce the online abuse and its impact. Yeah. 
God, absolutely. It's like if you were abused in your workplace by your boss or a colleague, you wouldn't say, oh, don't ever work again then. Right. It's like, you can't, yeah, it's just not um, helpful at all. And I mean... But on that though, now COVID has meant that people's homes are the workplace. So what are we doing yeah. with that? If you yeah. are being abused by somebody in your workplace, your line manager, uh, an employee on Slack, on Microsoft Teams, whatever you know channel you're using... Have people's HR teams got to grapple with online sexual harassment, health and safety duties they have to people now that their kitchen tables, their gardens and their living rooms are now the office space? And I mean, on that topic of cancel culture, I was trying to really become more empathetic during this time as well, that if someone had said something a little bit silly, I still thought that is a human being alone potentially in their flat during lockdown and I don't know what your thoughts are like on the limit of kind of who deserves this amount of cancellation online and like does anyone deserve to be truly cancelled I talk on I think before we talk about cancellation we need accountability it's like we skip steps of being of going to the punishment without setting up the framework or the systems in the first place and Mm. that doesn't negate people who and I use this word a lot, dickheads. That doesn't negate people being dickheads. Like, you, you know, people can self-teach and it's not an excuse. But I, I think there's there's been a massive rush to cancel, to cancel people without thinking, okay, I'm part of a feminist movement. I'm part of a fe- feminist ideology and principles. What does a feminist approach to accountability look like? And I think yeah. accountability is very much a... I see it in, through the framing of self-care as an activist, actually. I mm. see it, accountability as like having, you know, a co-leader, a co-founder. So you're not the only one that is, becomes this figurehead and becomes celebritized and feels like you have to have all the answers and always always have to be on. And your, your, di- your DMs, your di- direct message inboxes being full of counseling therapy sessions for people who are oversharing like it can be a lot <laughs> um and I think an accountability structure that is predicated on self-care that means when that means we have a collective self-care duty to each other and to the movement and then when you fall out of that then we can start thinking about what are the steps to correcting your behavior yeah, and correcting the behavior and 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 your and your actions rather than it being so personal to you and how when do we know to call people in and have those conversations privately and I'm a Christian so I I refer a lot to um although definitely have continuous crisis of faith of reconciling my faith with inner justice and stuff like that but uh I think it's Paul that talks about it like chastise them behind closed doors if they don't listen then bring someone else if they don't listen then bring more people and their elder and like their supervisor if you like and if they don't listen Mm -hmm. then you do it publicly I just feel like because of the everything's become so public straight away and don't get me wrong there's a time and place for people and dickheads to be called out like I remember a woman who I remember doing a supportive tweet for Dan Abbott once because of the amount of trolling and abuse that she gets like she got so much abuse that she skewed the results Amnesty's and Amnesty International results when they were looking at the abuse that women received and when they're looking at the abuse that Labour received like that's how much abuse that she 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 received so I try where possible to try and do supportive tweets and I did once or I think I think that Diane might have retweeted me and I just was just seeing all of this horrific abuse and there was one particular one by a, um, a white woman who worked for a hockey club 
and so and it was in her handle of her of her of her, of her account so I looked at the at the account and I looked at the website of this place and it was with kids and it was with black kids and I was just like this woman can't say these things to our shadow home secretary at the time two black communities full stop and then have a duty and be and and kids being be in her care so there are some times when cancelling cancelling is like a life death vulnerable like vulnerable it requires a kind of escalation I I, I totally understand that but I, I still believe that we've skipped a few steps around accountability and I think also when we were in lockdown and there wasn't places to have the conversations offline you know how do we use direct messages? How do we arrange calls? How do we how how do we do that? But equally, I think subtweeting and indirects as well cause stirs and cause animosity. And I think that also can cause somebody to feel kind of isolated and alone. If you're calling somebody out, or when you're calling somebody's behavior out, your followers, if you, especially if you've got a large following, potentially now could then be trolling them. And that happened to me with um, Alex Jones when um, she mispronounced my name on the one show once. And it was really funny. My reaction was funny. Someone turned it into a gif. Like, it's hilarious. And then all of a sudden, people were trolling Alex and saying that, you know, X, Y and Z. And it was hard because I felt like as a black woman, I didn't want to I, I don't want to do the emotional labor. But I felt because of my organization and, the, and our principles, I had to display the behavior that I'm asking people to try and show, which was saying, mm-hmm. hey, look, there's a way for us to laugh at my expense at this and ask for us, uh, for us to all share this, our stories of when people have mispronounced our names. We can do that without now trolling Alex and now making her feel bad. She she said sorry. Like what 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 else do you want from somebody when they've said sorry? Like blood. And I remember talking to Jamila Jamil once, where uh, she said that people who are mental health activists and advocates have told her to kill herself. And that sometimes I don't think people realise that the platforms and the way we speak to each other can bring out a side to us that we probably didn't realise we hadn't dealt with. It's kind of fascinating how people have got to the point of thinking that's okay. And I don't know whether it's to do with maybe people thinking it is a virtual world and the profile picture of that person means they're not real. or it, And it's just, it's really scary because I completely agree that call out culture is super important. I mean, my biggest learning points in my life have been from people publicly calling me out. And genuinely, mm. I'm I'm thankful for those moments and I want more of them. But I think jumping to the cancellation is quite dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think the fact that people don't realise there's, there's the potential consequences to their actions means that they just say things, they do scattergun, right? And that's why being a digital citizen is about being really, really responsible for what we put on our platform. Sometimes, like, I have good filter settings. I practice really good digital self-care. But sometimes, some dickheads sometimes mm-hmm. slip through the net or I have time to respond I want to respond I'm going to channel my anger into some of these trolls in my mention and um some of them are often really surprised that I reply because I think I just I think a lot of people just think they can just say it and get away with it and don't realize there's a consequence there's consequences to to what you say and, and it's such a shame because 
a lot of people ask me, so what do you think it's going to take for us to kind of make make more make more of a progress on tackling online abuse and harassment? And I unfortunately say it will be on the back back end of another person's taking their life, or another person being horrifically hurt or sadly murdered by by online abuse, which we saw with the late Joe Cox, or we saw with Caroline Flack, Molly, mm. and so many other names who don't get the public recognition for what's happened to them Mm, yeah absolutely I wondered for anyone listening the difference between and maybe this is quite obvious to you but it's something that I had to learn is the difference between someone criticizing you and someone trolling you because I think if I look back to my early 20s and maybe someone wrote wrote a horrible tweet about how they they didn't like my book (laughs) I'd be like she's a troll but actually maybe maybe that's okay. It's just that it was a bit weird that she tagged me in it. But like, do you think there's a, a difference between the two? Uh, yes, but that's it. Like, okay, you don't like my don't like my book. I don't have a book yet, but maybe one day, but you don't like someone's book. Why do you have to at them? Like, like I just, then just say it. <laughs> I just, I just, I just don't get it. I think, yeah, there's a difference between a troll and, a, and somebody who's criticizing. A troll, you can kind of t- tell it's a new account. They haven't changed their profile photo. They haven't yeah. confirmed their email address. And these are all things that you can actually filter on, on, on Twitter, particularly so that you don't see that. And that's a part of our, our call and work with um, Twitter on digital self-care. But someone criticizing you, I think we need to be open to hearing hearing other people's point of views. But I think there's also a way to say it. And I also retweet, I I say that I don't think digital citizenship is about us all now getting along and everyone agreeing on everything. That's not true. And especially with Black Lives Matter, I think everyone just expected all Black people to be singing from the same hymn sheet. We are on the broader senses, but not homogeneous group. We're going to disagree and we can do that respectfully. And I try and say like, I don't agree, but I'm really glad to have this conversation to try and display how we can criticise, critique, and argue in a civil way again before I feel like the referendum just made it that we had to be so nasty to each other. Who is teaching the next generation in schools how to have civil discussions online, how mm. to have a healthy relationship online? Like, even though, and thanks to many activists and campaigners and, and, and charities who are pushing for the, for religious sexual education to be part of the curriculum and what happened in September, and a lot of it includes online abuse and online spaces, teachers have not been given proper guidance on this there's not a budget associated with this it's like how are we going to make sure it's being done properly so at the moment you've got another generation of people watching us figure out the ways and making loads of mistakes and think um, and modeling our behavior again going back to that accountability thing part of our kind of accountability structure I think here we should have in the UK for feminist movements writers whatever it is is about thinking about the behaviors that we want to be modeling online for the next generation to to, to see. Mm. It's really 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 important right I'm just going to shift gears for the last uh, few minutes of the episode I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about self-care and setting those personal boundaries I think you're such a brilliant you know, example of the message that you set yourself, you know, you live, you live this, you are someone I think who does take breaks and sets an example for your team by the sounds of it. And obviously, when I first met you, you were wearing yellow, you were making the audience laugh, you're someone that finds a lot of joy from the internet. And how do you maintain some of those moments of feeling like you're not completely you know depressed by by some of this stuff yeah I mean three weeks ago definitely was on the edge of thinking Mm. 
what is the point? <laughs> uh, like, what is the like, what is the point? <laughs> I just kept saying, what is the point? Oh, God, yeah. And it's, and 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 it's important to feel those feelings. It's important to have a support system around you, people who can work through that. Um, I'm very, very, very blessed to um, be on a fellowship that allows me to have a coach alongside what I do that invests in my human being and human doing. And I think that's the way as well that um, charities and organisations should be funded. It should be funded in the kind of hard operations of a charity, but also invested in the people, their training, their development and their self-care. I try my hardest to do things differently with Glitch. I know that I had the, I never get the privilege sometimes. So I know that with the rare, with the rare time I have this privilege of being a CEO or a founder or an executive, executive director, I do. And so in our strategy, self-care is there, not just digital self-care in terms of our workshops and living what we, what we talk about, but self-care is there and we fundraise for a self-care budget. So I remember like being able to, gift the team uh online yoga class and we did that as a team like a month ago which was really nice to do and it, it, it and it was just a break no work and we're just gonna like look at ourselves and have some time to um to to do meditation and it's just those little things that I think are important because when you tackle and address yourself and on a whole and well in yourself then you can give more and you can give more from a place of creativity as well and make less mistakes if you want to look at it from a kind of capitalist profit profit lens it's good in that also it's the right thing to do and yeah and, and have a moral obligation to do it too and I think being um, a black CEO as well having been one of the most junior people in the organization I've had line managers not care about my self-care and I've had a couple that have and so yeah. framed this up glitch so that that's part of our DNA and also have kind of up managed our boards to think about their self-care too and our workload but I think yeah self-care and activism is so important it comes from sadly lived experience of proper burnout and proper yeah. of depressive moods and not loving myself and having to really go on a journey of like discovering who I am like who is Shayi and using horoscopes and well astrolo astrology more than horoscopes astrology and finding out the meaning of my name and doing those personality tests just to discover who I am again and love the things that are my strength and love the things that I found were a weakness or something that made me really embarrassed by and that took a long time and then I spent a long time defining what my needs were and it was exercise it was work-life balance it was sorting out my finances which is something that doesn't get discussed by women as well the kind of looming pressure of am I going to be okay because we're always told about the gender pay gap and we don't earn enough and all of this stuff and so those things I identified were needs and then that made made it um priority goals for me to sort out and um, and it meant that I was sort of my self-care and having a bit of routine and I'm very blessed and privileged obviously because I'm the CEO I can just say what's in my in my diary or not but I hope that by my diary is a good example to the team as well about having something pink pink's my favorite color despite wearing yellow a lot but having something <laughs> pink pink every day in my diary that is I look forward to that's about self-care and then I sandwich that around things that I don't necessarily look forward to or drain my energy so I know that I talk a lot so I try and buffer my meetings where I talk a lot or do podcasts or public speaking with time just to meditate or time to watch a quick half an hour TLC or catch up on EastEnders and those kind of restorative moments are really good and I think that's why I hope um, I'm building a sustainable organization not just in terms of finances but in terms of human being and human resources and 
we need to have more discussions about self-care and activism and without judgments if for some people doing a face mask and a facial is self-care then let it be because for me it is it means it's an hour where I can't touch my phone because I'm putting a head my head in a bucket of hot water and I've got cucumber on my eye or I've got I'm trying a new mark like that for me means I'm not on my phone and and constantly like engaged and over over stimulated right and I think we need to have more of a conversation where burnout is not the badge of honor and activism or our work as journalists or women because for so long women have not been allowed to talk about their needs we've had to always have to serve other people I think the more we can talk about self-care the more we can invest in in research for self-care for women and self-care for black people as well because again it's in our it's sadly in our history to serve so many other communities because of slavery right yeah. so I think it's such a unlearning and an opportunity to learn and explore and be creative and see what our ancestors and other tribes and communities around the world have been about self-care and um yeah I think we just need to talk about self-care more yeah I really really resonate with um with that you know outside of work how do you find those moments of feeling fulfilled and you know feeling like you're a fully fully formed like person outside of these uh, career accomplishments because I guess I wanted to ask you as well you know having been such an impressive person since you know since you were really young because you were only in your early 20s when you were the youngest black woman to be elected as a councillor yeah for the Labour Party and also you were you were like interning in some incredible places I often wonder if sometimes people expect more from from people who seem to accomplish quite a lot yeah I I remember achieving one of my career goals and being really depressed <laughs> afterwards mm. and a lot of people saying congratulations well done but I was just so sad inside and I didn't feel like I could tell anybody because everyone was like you should be happy because they're telling me congratulations and this and that and also a lot of people would um I, I'd be the only black woman in the room I'd be the would be breaking some kind of first in terms of first this first that and it felt it 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 made me sad because it felt like why in 20 whatever it was then was I the first and how hard it is to be the first and the othering and the tone policing and all of that mm. just wasn't I wasn't able to to discuss and I think there's something as well as being an overachiever um mm. and having to and having had to be an overachiever because of growing up in domestic violence not having a dad around and having to kind of be that in the home and like you know the, the over kind of um and again, I'm not saying to people who don't have an active dad in their lives, they're not, they're less than, I'm not saying that, but coming from that, that being my experience, having to overachieve and overwork to be seen because mm. of that trauma meant that I didn't know how to do things from a place of rest and being okay with like things being delivered at a 70% and being, and I always used to say to people, Emma, I want, I am Luke looking for a white man to mentor me. I am looking for the cheat codes to what white men do like we would mm. spend the woman ages crafting a beautiful response to an email and making sure that it doesn't come across xyz and a man would respond to an email with just four words and feel no way about it <laughs> then i've got mediocre cheat codes to life that i just want want they've got the codes they've got the ammunition and that's what i want um yes, because i just don't yes. know i just don't know how to do things from a place of rest and not overachieve and not over and not overgive and again that's where self-care has, has allowed me to unpick that and why i think therapy should be 
free and accessible to everybody to kind of go through those things and, and learn some of those um those traumas that we have that have forced us to have these kind of weird um belief systems or weird kind of like uh hold on ourselves and expectations of ourselves and you're right there is a thing around being a, a black woman as well who's uh, the, the the having to work twice as hard to be seen and then sometimes internalizing that as well and having to work through that has been really hard to explore because it surfaces some things as well yes that is so so important for everyone to know that that is how privilege manifests and that's how you know emotional labor and added labor really adds up and can really affect people mentally and it's just so unfair because it's like people deserve a refund because there's a lot of people out there who are just sailing through not having to do that extra work and yeah it shouldn't be like it shouldn't be that way on that note I'm um I'm going to just ask you where people can find glitch how people can help how people can donate you know if anyone listening really you know wants to get behind helping this this isn't like a niche issue this is every single day we might be affected by online abuse and we probably have been or we will be in the future so how can people kind of get in touch or help yeah there's something there around the psychology about online abuse as well and how much women have tolerated a lot of our workshop in the evaluation a lot of the women and non-binary people have said i can't believe i tolerated so much shit um and And even if you are not directly impacted, we will know of a loved one that has been impacted by online abuse or harassment, Mm -hmm. but suffering on silence in silence. So the first thing I would encourage everybody listening to do is to talk about it, is to be more vocal about it and discuss it. Having these things be pushed into the darkness, pushed underground means that our spaces are being hijacked and weaponized and more and more more people are becoming victims of online abuse. The second thing is have a look at our web- website. It's fixtheglitch.org where we have free resources, dates of our upcoming trainings that are free, where you can also book us if you want us to do some book bespoke training for your organization, for your young people or for yourself. And please do donate. We've got a donate page on our website. We would love uh, donations. Funding for our work is um, has been tricky. Um, hopefully things will change soon. But um, donations allow us to keep keep going um, as a small and mighty team. If um, you are working or um, are volunteering in some way, we have a survey which allows people to experience um, to document and share their experience of online of the online space and potentially online abuse during COVID. And please do sign the Black Lives Matter petition. Uh, It's Black Lives Matter Online 2, which is all about protecting black people's mental health. We want tech companies to take us seriously. It's great we've had intro meetings with the majority of them, but we want to keep putting the pressure on. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I know that life and work and everything is super busy at the moment. So thank you just so much for sharing all of that and... I feel very inspired to do more and learn more and just make the internet a nicer place in general. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. I really appreciate it.